0: This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Hello,
1: this is Mark Russell, the writer of Exit Stage Left, the Stagopus Chronicles, and you're listening to Joe and Matt on Headed Nerd.
0: Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the frozen metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 474, the first episode of 2018 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. Folks, my name's Matt Ball, And I'm still the internet's Joe Patrick.
2: Each week we discuss
0: Wednesday's new
2: comics, comic book movies, TV news, and dissect the corpses of the internet's juiciest the nerdy rumors. Gross. Think of us as your two-headed, stable comic genius, or we'll send our team of lawyers to hit you with a slander suit so big
0: you'll wish you just stayed home to watch the Gorilla Channel. Joe Patrick, 2018 is here, and there's plenty to be pissed about. Just ask the internet. So let's start the year out screaming about this week's nerd news.
1: Nerd news.
2: (laughs) Because Matt demanded it, the teleporting mutant Blink. We'll make her return to the Marvel Universe in a relaunch of Exiles. Okay,
0: well, I actually demanded Nocturne. She's my favorite. I love her. Well, yeah, I mean, the Exiles <laughs> is my point. Yeah, yeah.
2: From the creative team of Black Bolt writer Saladin Ahmed, Javier Rodriguez from Spider-Woman, who I adore. Yeah. Uh, Alvaro Lopez, who worked on Royals and Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme, and, of course, the very talented Jordi Belair and Joe Caramagna. I wish those guys got more work, though. I mean, really. <laughs> yeah. They're all over the dang place. With covers by David Marquez. Uh, you may know him from a little book called The Defenders. <laughs> I don't read it. Yeah, I don't Civil War II. Hated yeah. it. <laughs> he drew Ultimate Spider-Man, though. That was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marvel announced the new series in a press release on Wednesday. Joining Blink on the new Exiles team are Nick Fury Sr. Yep. As the Unseen ugh, Khan, who is an old grizzled version of Kamala Khan, <laughs> a.k.a. Ms. <laughs> Marvel, Iron Lad, where's he been? And Wolvie, who is like a little cartoon wolverine. Yeah.
0: Uh, plus a mysterious team member yet to be revealed. Okay, is this the, the little cartoony wolverine that popped up in the 80s every once in a while? It was like this feisty little cartoon wolverine? Dude, I don't know. No, nah, he had kind of like a monster face, if I recall, if I'm
2: thinking of what you're thinking I don't of. know. I'm not sure. I mean, this looks like a tiny little manga or anime wolverine. right. right. The series will follow the unseen. Please, can we just call him Nick Fury? (laughs) As he assembles a new team of heroes to stop a new evil from threatening the multiverse. Here's a quote. Exiles is a two-fisted, big-hearted, wild ride of a book about a diverse team of alternate universe Marvel heroes banding together to stop a dire threat to the multiverse, sort of, what if meets classic X-Men, which is exactly what we wanted from the Exiles. Yes, Uh, The original Exiles were created... By Judd Winnick and artist Mike McCone uh, in 2001. And that also had Blink and another team of mutants from alternate dimensions as they hopped around from what-if world to what-if world solving problems. Yes. Exiles number one comes out April 11th. Matt, how many copies have you already put in for
0: pre-order? I'm super excited. I'm super excited and I want all of them. And with this team, I think it's going to be really good. And this is an easy one to get right because you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. You can visit any facet of... X-Men past, present, future. You can visit any weird twist on your favorite Marvel storyline and stick the exiles in there. I love that Nick Fury is ordering them around and not like some dumb cosmic space thing or something. I don't like that they're calling him the Unseen. And if they're doing that to make it a surprise that it's Nick Fury, then don't tell us in the solicit.
2: No, (laughs) I think that they refer to him as the Unseen at the end of Original Sin. I think that was kind of his deal. So it, they're not. This is not something that they came up with.
0: That was like a man on the wall thing, wasn't it?
2: No, man on the wall was. He was the man on the yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah. And he lost that job or whatever because he, he gave it to Bucky. Bucky was the man yeah. on the wall for a while, and then that
0: that got canceled. Now, they but, forgot. Now there's nobody on the now wall. Now Bucky's feeling much better, and the wall went away. Yeah.
2: <laughs> now the multi. Now the Earth is constantly getting attacked.
0: Regardless, super excited for Exiles. Happy to have it back. Go nuts here. Can't wait. Let's get into the real news this week. <laughs> the biggest news to break the internet. Thanos writer Donny Cates created quite a nerd storm, if you will, online this week when he revealed the unknown true name of Thanos, the Mad Titan. This is a huge spoiler. So, yeah, this is spoilers ahead for this week's issue of yeah, Thanos if number fourteen. You don't want to know that Thanos's real name is Stacy. Break her computer now. <laughs> To make a very complicated story very make short. Make way for Stacy, <laughs> the Mad Titan! He's like a boy called, he's like a man named Sue. <laughs> yeah, boy he's named like, Sue, He's right? pissed I get off. It. His dad named him that to toughen him up. Thanos' future self revealed his true name, the name their mother, Suisan, had chosen for them before she was driven mad.
2: Dion! <laughs> I mean, it's probably not Dion, right? It's probably like <laughs> Dion or I don't know. Diana. What's like Dion? Yeah.
0: Let's just call him Diane. I mean, I think it's funnier to think of him as Dion because it immediately puts me in mind of Dion Warwick. (laughs) I like Diane. The internet reacted with all the level-headed thinking you might expect in such circumstances. Ultimately, Gates took to Twitter to explain what should have been evident to anyone that actually read the story. That Diane would have been his name had Thanos' mom not taken on... Not taken one, sorry. Not taken one look at her evil baby and gone off the deep end. His name is Thanos. Period. So... Fake outrage, fake news. It's
2: like when my sister, when my mom was pregnant with my sister and, and they were like, if she's a boy, we're going to name him. If it's a boy, we're going to name it Andy. Yeah. But it was a girl and they named her Amy. Right. It's like, yeah, Dion. Yes. Diane. Yes. My My beloved uh, son, Diane. Oh, shit. Uh, he's the god of death. Right, uh, Thanos. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. When we were going to pick up Beeps, I was going to name him Destro, and then I picked up this little tiny adorable pug that was making little beep noises, and I'm like I can't call this fucking <laughs> dog Destro. <laughs> I <laughs> I, it's, I don't know
2: what is more hilarious though, like this particular choice of of name, right, or the reaction to something that wasn't actually
0: like his name is not Di- Diane, right. it's Thanos, right. Well, I mean, okay, I don't even think that's hilarious. I think it's sad and I'm so tired of outrage every week about everything. You know, like we just talked about Star Wars last week and all the yeah. people that are super mad about that. And there's there's still shit coming out about Star Wars. They're like, Oh, relatively disappointing opening week in China. Fuck off. It is the <laughs> highest grossing movie of twenty seventeen and it did it in two weeks. Yeah. Two goddamn weeks. Shut the fuck up. Right. <laughs> you know? So, the- dear fanboy, this is not his name. Be quiet. Nobody stabbed Jim Starlin in the face. <laughs> I mean, like, good lord. I
2: mean, Marvel did stab Jim Starlin in That's the face, but that was totally argument, unrelated. Different argument. Different general, reasons, yes. All of it was worth it for one joke I read from writer Matthew Rosenberg <laughs> on Twitter. He put up a <laughs> he put up a picture of Santa from, I don't even know what, the 90s, Infinity Gauntlet or something. Something. Infinity Watch. I don't know. And it was Thanos punching out the Jack of Hearts. Yeah, <laughs> and in the text he wrote, "Little Ditty," a little ditty about Jack and Dion. <laughs> and I like every time I think about it, I sh- I have uncontrollable laughing fits. Yes. Um, and uh, this happened to me at work. And I had to explain to people that don't know shit about comics why I was dying.
0: And they all, their eyes glazed over. And yeah, they were like, they were like you're oh, fired. Okay, nerd. Yeah, now I got basically,
2: <laughs> long story short, I got to get a new job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a little, a little ditty about Jack
0: and Long story <laughs> short, Dion or Diane is not Thanos' name. Stop oh it. God. It's just what mom wanted to name him until she figured out he was the god of death. But, the yeah, end.
2: Yeah, That's we, it. You know what? We, we needed this little laugh. Sure. Like, we, the world is a terrible... Yeah. Settle Nightmare down, place. Everyone. Thank you, guys. Thank you for this laugh. I appreciate it.
0: And finally, coming from the Comics Still Think They're Movies desk, Joe. <laughs> Last month, Marvel announced that the
2: newly resurrected Wolverine would appear in a series of quote-unquote post-credit scenes <sighs> in some of Marvel's titles that... When read in sequence, we'll touch on Wolverine's new status quo. Very similar to Marvel Studios' ubiquitous stinger scenes at the end of every movie. Each of the issues featuring the teasers will be stamped with a Where is Wolverine logo on the cover with each scene revealing the mystery of Wolverine's whereabouts and what he's doing with that Infinity Stone he's carting around.
0: Which was more like, where in the world is Wolverine? and we <laughs> where learned, in the world is we Wolverine? We learned little things about all the cities he was in and stuff. Put him in oh. a big red hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> the promotion kicked off this week in Captain America 697, and more scenes are scheduled to appear in Amazing Spider-Man, Mighty Thor, Marvel 2-in-1, Black Panther, Avengers, Incredible Hulk, X-Men Red, and Invincible Iron Man. Now... Matt, because Marvel can't help themselves, we already know that Wolverine's story is moving towards the upcoming Infinity Countdown event, but that's not the point. Do you think that this sort of teaser can work to build excitement on the comic page like they do on the big screen?
0: No, and here's why. The key element of a post-credit cookie is you watch a fucking movie first, and then you watch the credits and then you get a little more, <laughs> you know? Sure, but it's, I mean, don't you, you? could just flip to the back of your damn comic book and look at this if you want to. Well, you can, it's but stupid. you can also fast forward to the end of the movie and watch the credits if, if you I'm want to. I'm saying not when you go to the theaters, not when you get that experience. That's where it works, because by the time it's out on DVD, who gives a shit? We already know we've seen it a million times. But what, no,
2: that's not that true. A lot of time, people that see a movie on DVD are seeing it for the first the time. I'm talking about them. I'm talking about
0: the real nerds, okay? Those of us who Don't fight the crowds that way. and we go and we sit down and we watch the movie and we see these idiots get up and walk out and the credits roll and we're like, see you, suckers. You're about to miss something. And then you get hit with a little something that makes us go, ooh, or giggle or whatever. That's great. Comics are not movies. Stop calling them seasons. Stop calling them post-credit scenes. Just, you do this. Feel free to do this. Give me a little extra Wolverine thing. Yeah, you're, you're getting caught up in the semantics of it. Like the semantics are dumb.
2: I, and I'm not disagreeing <laughs> with you. I think calling them post-credit scenes is kind of yeah. stupid.
0: Do I think it's going to excite
2: people about this? I don't know. We'll see. But, if they're good, sure. Because it's not just an epilogue, right? Mm-hmm. Like stories, lots of stories have epilogues. Right. This is specifically a scene added to right. numerous totally different titles right that are all kind of leading to the same
0: tease and i think that that's kind of fun i don't think it's a bad thing i think that's fine and it, i just uh, think like the marketing of it is kind the of the marketing is really stupid and i'm sick of that shit but no, I mean, I look, I want to be excited about Wolverine coming back. I don't know how excited I am about Wolverine coming back in such a cosmic way and having, you know, like, it goes back to that whole X-Men in space thing. I'd rather just see him doing... Yeah, being, yeah,
2: I mean, but that's not the point of this, this, this news story.
0: The point is... I think it will excite people. This
2: mechanic in, yeah. the, in the realm of comics, do you think it can work? I think it can.
0: And as long as it doesn't take away from storytelling pages of the regular book... Like oh yeah no you got to give it to me yeah no additional charge yeah, This should better not be thirty two pages still right and two of those pages are Wolverine right it's like when no. they said
2: that they were doing the origin pages at the yeah. ad, in Marvel Legacy don't this, take three pages away from yes, story
0: this needs to be thirty four pages yeah or thirty six pages or whatever same price um, too don't you dare mark the price up and on I don't these think that, that they are
2: I I don't think that they are I think that it's I, I think that it's extra I think basically. It's like marketing material, right, right? Right. Like instead of like think of it as a one page comic book for a, a hostess fruit pie.
0: <laughs> sure, exactly. It's a comic, right? Yeah, Twinkie the Kid. And I love those comics. And like how did Twinkie come back? Where is Twinkie? How did he get a fucking infinity stone? You
2: know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. How did Twinkie the Kid get that infinity stone? <laughs> yeah. uh. These are questions we need answered. But yeah, I mean I think I think that the idea of it is fun. I think that the uh, marketing of it is really dumb. Yes. If you're going to use this to tease in story then do not announce what's going to happen to the character before the first one yeah. even comes out god damn it. Yeah.
0: It's, it's it's almost like they've just said well such is the internet. This is life now. It doesn't have to be. Shut the
2: fuck up. <laughs> <Like> it's, <laughs> it's bad enough the day of Captain America 25 was released you're like Captain America dies. Right. On all the news channels. Now you're doing it
0: Days before, we're not even days before. Sometimes months, ahead and of now time. we're months ahead of time, right? Right. I mean, like, come on. Just there's an old cowboy saying, "Never missed a genuine opportunity to shut your goddamn mouth." Okay, yeah. <laughs> think about that, Marvel. That's all I'm asking. So there's your nerd news for this week, and of course, we
2: want to hear from you on these stories and everything we missed. So hit us up on the Ziggurat Hotline four zero two. Share your thoughts with us on these stories and more But now It's time for Matt and I to put on our critic sweaters and review some
0: Damn comics, it's what we do on this show Got that right Matt, what did you read this week? Joe Patrick, I picked up Batman the Signal, number one from D.C. It's written by Tony Patrick and Scott Snyder, but I think Scott Snyder just sort of helped with story elements. Tony Patrick's doing the heavy lifting.
2: Yeah, he's a graduate of the yeah. talent showcase oh, or that's whatever right. they call him, that's
0: yeah. right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Art by Cully Hamner, 32 pages, It's $3.99. Here's your solicit. Batman may own the night, but with new villains emerging during the day, he needs an ally to defend the city when he can't. Only one teen is up to the challenge. Duke Thomas. After months of training, he's ready to step out of the show a Dave Thomas, of founder of Wendy's. <laughs> to become his own kind of hero. Meet Gotham City's newest protector, The Signal. Spinning out of the adventures of yada, yada, yada. Okay. So, correct me if I'm wrong, but I could have sworn this book was supposed to be a monthly title? When uh, we first announced it, right? So, yeah, now it's a three-issue mini. Yeah, suddenly it's a three-issue mini. And maybe that's okay, because there's truly no shortage of Bat-books right now.
2: I mean, maybe it wasn't an ongoing, maybe they just never specifically said one way or the
0: other. I don't recall. Regardless, after bouncing around several of the Bat-books, Duke is settling into his role as Gotham's day watch, busting baddies in broad daylight. I should mention, the book is called Batman and the Signal, but I think Batman shows up for maybe three pages. They gotta sell the book somehow. I get it. Yeah. I'd forgotten that Duke developed powers recently. It happened in metal. Yes. Yes. He
2: has the ability to see light differently. I don't know. I read this book and I was like, what? His powers are what? It
0: allows him to sort of like rewind time a little bit. Like he gets impressions of things. actually rewind time. Just sort of like see what just happened. He can't like look at dinosaurs or anything. He can like see something that happened like five seconds ago. I'm not crazy about this development. And you can kind of see what people are about to do or something? It's, I Sort of. I don't really know. It's not it well... It's very confusing. It's not well explained. And I'm not crazy about this development, but I will say it does set Duke apart as the one member of the Bat family with meta ability.
2: And they do touch on that. Yes. Which I, I liked.
0: Meta abilities seem like they may be driving the plot here too, but no spoilers. The people of Gotham seem to react to Duke strangely, as if heroes don't Ever operate during the day in Gotham in that town in Gotham we've seen it happen a million times we've seen Batman in the daylight plenty of times Superman hangs out there sometimes the Green Lanterns have done shit in Gotham and everyone's running around going hey what are you doing we're supposed to be safe during the day okay first of all you live in Gotham no one is ever safe at any time. (laughs) I I don't know. From anything. I I do kind of like the idea that some people are just like, what the fuck? (laughs) You guys do not come out during the day. Get out of here. I found that as kind of a tough sell. But (laughs) I like the tone of the book that Patrick takes combining Duke's powers with his intelligence. But in a very crowded Bat family, I'm not sure this first issue is doing anything to carve out a real niche for the character. Don't get me wrong. The dialogue is good. Duke's voice and character are solid. I hate his costume. It's a bad costume. But that is by no fault of Patrick or artist Cully Hamner. They didn't come up with it. I'm just not sold on The Signal yet. I'm giving The Signal, number one, a strong skimmet it because it's a good read with solid art, but there's a scene in this book that really spelled it out for me. When the whole Bat family is sitting around a table and they're all yelling at Batman, and they're like, what is this guy's deal? Why do we even need this guy? This is a bad idea. And I gotta say, I kind of agree with them. Right. I...
2: You said earlier that the book doesn't really uh, make a good case, or does it, it doesn't do anything to carve out a real niche for the character. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take it one further, and I'm going to say that it doesn't actually make a strong case uh,
0: for why he exists at all. Yeah. And it doesn't actually... They make it sound like everybody sleeps all day, so we need somebody to, you
1: know... <laughs> well,
2: but not only that, but also... I found myself, like, I, I've been reading the Batman Batman books for years. I read DC Metal. I, I knew all this stuff that was going on with Duke. Right. But if you went to the comic book store and you saw a new comic book with Batman on it, and mm-hmm. it's like, Batman and the Signal, number one. Awesome. Great. Cool. You're going to not know what is going on at all. Yeah. They don't explain
0: anything. No, they really didn't. They dropped you right into it. And I will say the whole thing with his powers also really muddled... The story, the plot, where this is going—I'm
2: fine with him having powers, yeah, but I, I mean, didn't I understand guess. what the powers were. They—they uh, they makes I'm passing.
0: Not, you know what? I'm not totally fine with it because I—the one thing that I like about the Bat Family and Batman is everybody is just who they are. Right, but that's what sets them apart, and that's part of the story.
2: And I guess, like, I,
0: but again, that case. I don't feel like they made that case here. That see, and it I, happens I felt, to be part of. The I character. feel that they. I feel that they did. I like the idea
2: that he feels like an outcast in the bath Family sure. because he's got powers and they sure. don't. Um, and that's fine. But they they make the most vague passing references to things like something's up with his parents, right? Or uh, something happened to him. Now he's got powers. Yeah. Uh, they they make a, a reference to We Are Robin. Yeah. Which was a
0: short lived series that got canceled. Well over a year ago. Yeah, there's two characters that are sitting with him. And they don't
2: explain
0: shit. And we don't even know why he's with those two characters. I didn't even
2: know who they were until they said that, and the, until yeah. they mentioned being Robin. And
0: I read We Are Robin. I and did too. I was like, oh, I um, didn't remember. Guess they were there. Yeah, you know,
2: it's like coming in halfway through the movie. All these characters have been named. These things have happened to them. Yes. You don't know what's going on. Yeah. Why is he dressed in yellow all of a sudden? He's got a base now. Mm-hmm. Who's this? What? And that's how I felt. And I knew all this stuff. I think for a new reader it's going to be a tough sell. Yeah. And I'm giving it a skim as well for those reasons. I
0: I think they could use Duke Thomas a lot more creatively than what they're doing too.
2: I have a I have a bias against Duke Thomas uh, like he's a fine character and they're doing fine things. But he's
0: black. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought I thought that's where you were going.
2: <laughs> but Scott Snyder had a habit in his Batman run of just creating proteges for Batman from yeah. whole cloth yeah and then like moving on from them like there was Harper yeah. rowe the gr- the girl that was w- for a while they were like oh is she gonna be the female Robin uh no now she's something else she was bluebird or something
0: yeah and I don't even know and now she she's did, not even a superhero she's not even around
2: but yeah so like he keeps He kept creating these characters, and then they'd get cast aside. Right. Why should I care about any of these new additions to Batman's
0: already too large family? Yes.
2: When we have characters that are much more compelling.
0: Right. We absolutely do. And, I mean, you have two choices. You kill one of them and have Duke Thomas fill their spot, or you make Duke Thomas something entirely different that they don't have, and they're not doing that.
2: I mean, I did kind of like... I, I did kind of like the direction that he went in with the We Are Robin stuff where he was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to forge my yeah, own that was path. Clever. Yeah, And I have this group and Alfred's going to help us even right. though he's not supposed
0: to. And I always think it would have been more interesting had they played off that and had Batman be like, look, you're not going to be a hero. You're going to be a bad guy. You're going to be a villain. You're going to infiltrate. You're going to watch and you're going to report back to me. It's going to be very dangerous. You're going to be Donnie Brasco. I mean, he's a teenager. I get it. So his, so his son's like 10. Yeah, but I mean, like... <laughs> I and mean, they throw him in. Like, like, He fought Bane, you know? <laughs> I get it, but like, no villainous Batman
2: organization is, is going to be like, come on, you're a 16-year-old boy. They've all got kids and thugs <laughs> working for them, you know? I mean, come on. I I think that this book in particular didn't do enough to explain who Duke was, or his motivation, or, or why we, why we, why we, we should it, even care.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: the art is amazing. Cully Hamner does not draw enough comics.
0: No, he doesn't. He's a very talented guy.
2: It's a skim it. I just, I wish, I wish I liked it more.
1: Tara ra boom dia, ta ra ra boom Oh, what a joyful day to frolic and play.
0: Let's talk about uh, the most important dramatic comic book that came out this week. Something we actually do need. We do. A Snagglepuss reboot. (laughs) That's
2: right. (laughs) Exit stage left, The Snagglepuss Chronicles number one. This is also from DC Comics, written by Mark Russell, with art by Mike Feehan. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. It's 1953. While the United States is locked in a nuclear arms race with the Soviet Union, the gay Southern playwright known as Snagglepuss is the toast of Broadway, but success has made him a target. As he plans for his next hit play, Snagglepuss becomes the focus of the House Committee on Un-American Activities, and when powerful forces align to purge show business of its most subversive voices, no one is safe. Mark Russell, the writer that turned the Flintstones into a brilliant, biting satire of contemporary society, is back to flip another Hanna-Barbera property on its ear. Russell seamlessly merges the anthropomorphic world of Snagglepuss into the great melting pot of 1950s New York, where artists and homosexuals are being targeted as subversives by the paranoid government. Snagglepuss's over-the-top effeminate mannerisms are gone here. He's not here to be mocked for his lisp or his wacky behavior, though he still is not wearing any pants. Yeah, well, he's Snagglepuss. Uh, yeah. The, this Snagglepuss is a star, but one that has to hide his homosexuality for fear of persecution and even criminal prosecution. The animals are just another part of everyday society, so much so that the human and other animal cast members of Snagglepuss's play are in costume as other animals. Right. Like,
0: they're playing a part. Like, sometimes you play uh, a cop. Sometimes you play a cop that happens to be a donkey. <laughs> well, and, at,
2: <laughs> and at first I thought, you know, is, this, is it weird? Like, is it basically like the animal equivalent of blackface? But I don't think that's how the animals are being treated. They're not being treated no, as like a race. So. They're not yeah. a minority. No. It's like having prob- red hair. The
0: problem is not that Snagglepuss is a panther. The problem is that he's gay. Right. <laughs> you know.
2: And honestly, though, aside from that and a few sly references in the dialogue and a cameo by Huckleberry Hound, this could have been completely removed from the cartoon elements and presented as a human period piece. But Russell contrasts the darkness of this time in American history against the wackiness of the original Snagglepuss source material. Russell's script is packed full of heart and wit. I especially loved the addition of prosecutor Gigi Allen, crusader for all that's good and pure about America, (laughs) which is a punk rock reference so obscure that I'm stunned that I got it. (laughs) Mike Feehan's art style isn't what you're going to find illustrating Cosmic giants and exploding planets, but his realistic take is the perfect choice to kind of meld the cartoon world with ours. Feehan humanizes the animal characters while shying away from a more animated style, making them fit, they fit more alongside their human counterparts. Yeah,
0: this is way more Elmer Fudd and Batman. Yes, exactly. What Booms failing to do with Mighty Mouse right now?
2: Yeah, (laughs) Feehan's work is just very solid here, and it would have been right at home at Vertigo with the likes of Pia Guerra, Steve Dillon, and Peter Gross. The more kind of realistic, yeah, absolutely. The world does not need DC's weird adaptations of old comic properties. But thank God Mark Russell and his collaborators are here to make them so unbelievably enjoyable
0: and relevant. I think it's also very brave that they're letting them do this because this is not going to be a big seller. It's going to sell but it's not going to see like justice league numbers or anything.
2: No, but They're, I think it's I think that the word of mouth is going to get around and it's going to be a sleeper, not a, a blockbuster. Right,
0: but I do think but, that this ends up on a lot of best of lists this year.
2: Yeah, Russell and Feehan have created an evocative look into one of the like seriously darkest times of the 20th century viewed through the lens of one of its most ridiculous fictional characters Snagglepuss was created in the late 50s. Yeah. And it's It's
0: brilliant. Yeah, it really is. And it's
2: a huge buy it.
0: I I mean, I can't say it any better. It's a huge buy it for me, too. There's no reason why this book should be good other than the creative team is as talented as they fucking are. I mean, seriously. It's stunning what they've done here. It's a gigantic buy it.
2: Mark Russell, at this point, I'm saying Mark Russell can do no wrong. Between, from Prez to Flintstones to this, like...
0: Yeah, I think it's safe to say he's writing the smartest book on the stage.
2: So those are our first main reviews of 2018. Now it's up to you nerds to tell us what we got wrong. Oh yeah. We'll post these reviews on twoheadednerd.com so you can respond in the review section of the THN forums or the THN Facebook fan page or wherever. Where you never have to worry about Matt showing up. I don't know why he keeps saying that.
0: Because it's true. I'll get arrested.
2: You're not banned from the Facebook fan there page. There was
0: a recent judge's decision that will land my butt back in the slammer if I even think about clicking that link. That is not true. It's That's an excuse. True, okay. Just admit to
2: the audience that you don't care what they say or you feel. You don't have
0: to sugarcoat it, Joe. Right? <laughs> I know how they feel.
2: But enough of this foolish long-form review business. It's time to get back to what we do best. Raining and raving about eight more of this week's new comics in a format so short,
0: it's barely useful. True.
2: Nerds, it's time for 2018's first... Ludicrous
0: Speed Round! Ludicrous Speed! Go! Cosmo, number one from Archie.
2: This was a fun, all-ages space adventure from writer Ian Flynn and artist Tracy Yardley. A team of Martian adventurers find a Zap Branigan-esque human astronaut stranded in space. It reminded me a lot of a classic saturday morning cartoon i probably won't stick around for the long haul but this is great for the little ones Cosmo number one gets a strong skim it okay.
0: rise of the black panther number one from marvel this is number one of six it's a limited series tenisi Coates is telling the secret origin of the latest panther starting with t'challa's parents story Coates seems to have been handed the keys to the kingdom here and He's still using old FF continuity to flesh out Wakanda's story, but also interjecting some of his own stuff. And it's very, very cool. Paul Renaud is wonderful on art as usual. And Coates is writing the most intelligent superhero book you've ever read. I'm giving this a huge buy it. It works perfectly alongside what's going on in Black Panther right now. I can't see enough. Star Wars, Forces of Destiny, Leia, One Shot, IDW. How are they able to put this out? I mean, they have some sort of
2: licensing deal. This is the first in a weekly series of one-shots focusing on the female heroes of the Star Wars universe. This issue comes courtesy of Infinite Loop creators Elsa Charatier and Pierrick Colonnais de France.
0: I think it's (laughs) Charretier.
2: Charretier. And they present a great story about Leia finding the strength to lead the rebellion after being forced to abandon their base on Yavin 4. This was fantastic. All ages, Star Wars tale done in an animated style. Charitier's art is really lovely. I don't understand the kind of weird backroom deal IDW and Marvel made. Yeah. And Disney made to get uh, some Star Wars books at IDW and some at Marvel, but they're doing a great job. It's a buy it. Yeah, totally. Transformers versus the Visionaries, number one from IDW. Ooh, boy.
0: I have to admit, I was exhausted and a little more than tipsy when I read this one, but... I read it again this morning, and it's just as big of a mess as I thought it was. (laughs) There's a relatively small group of bots here, and they're well-written, but the entirety of the Visionary's backstory, characters, and recent off-panel revolution that ended with them on Cybertron for reasons that are not present in the story is presented in way too much dialogue by characters that no one remembers! (laughs) Okay? Great art, though. Skim it. Maybe you leave it truthfully. I'm not sure what I read.
2: I'm not wrong, though, right? The visionaries
0: have not been around in comics, no. Lately, this no. Is the, this is the first. This is we're meeting. Comeback. Them. And turns out there was this whole thing that happened. The good guys are hanging out with the bad guys. They're on Cybertron. Go, great <laughs> Rogan Gambit, number one from Marvel, a comic I could not care less. About.
2: Everybody's favorite X couple is reunited, and not everybody's. Boy, are they not happy about it? Look, I love Rogue. I love Gambit, and I don't even care what you have to say about it, Matthew. <laughs> Great dialogue from writer Jody Hauser. I love Jodie Hauser. Gorgeous artwork from Perry Perez. I love Perry Perez. If you love Marvel's most awkwardly tortured romantic duo like I do, Ugh. you'll love Rogue and Gambit number one. I'm giving it a buy-it. I'm saying hey, it's a good comic.
0: I haven't ready yet, I'm gonna read it. Okay. I'm gonna read it.
2: It's a good comic? Fine. You're gonna hate it. Probably. You are gonna hate it. <laughs> Planet of the Apes, Ursus, number one, from Dynamite? Boom. Boom.
0: General Ursus finally gets his miniseries, and writer David Walker doesn't disappoint. Chris Mooneyham, a name we love to say, is on ape art duty issues, and like the rest of Boom's ape books, it's gorgeous. With that said, Joe is right when he says these books are slow reads. I personally love the entire Boom Ape franchise, but this story is very much in the style of the old Planet of the Apes movies, examining the psychology of the characters and their place in society. So, a huge buy-it if you're an old-school ape fan and probably a skim it for everyone else.
2: Are you going to give two uh, scores to every book that you review this No, week? I'm just saying I'm giving a huge buy-it.
0: <laughs> the other one, review-proof. I don't know what to say about Transformers and Visionaries. I, I don't even know where to come at it from.
2: <laughs> then it's a leave-it because it's a hot
0: mess. What happened, Where? what it was, maybe I wasn't smart enough. Secret weapons, number zero, from Valiant. I doubt that that's the case.
2: This is a standalone prelude issue to last year's miniseries focusing on Nikki Finch and how she came to become a Psyot. I didn't read the miniseries, but writer Eric Heiserer gives you everything you need to follow the story. I haven't seen Adam Polina's name in the art credits in
0: forever. I thought he was dead. That dude
2: used to draw X-Force. He is awesome. He was awesome. Yeah, and his work is still amazing. He does a great job here beautiful inventive storytelling the way the story is presented in the series every panel every page is broken up into like five or six wide panels and every panel is one moment cool so it's not like a narrative yeah it's like a found footage movie right right, right. where they only have like five seconds every five minutes cool it was great secret weapon zero is a wonderful book for old and new fans and as soon as i finish reading this I went back and read the first issue of the series from last year. It was great. Huge
0: buy Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, number 150 from Marvel. The Guardians book limps to the finish line in preparation for them to pop back up in the pages of the Countdown to an Infinity book. Coming real quick-like here. Yeah, you know. Which is good, because the GOG book feels like it's been treading water for more than a year now. Jerry Duggan is doing a fine job of the characters and the humor, but it just feels like the story has been hamstrung waiting for the Countdown event forever. I am giving this a very low skim it. Nothing has been happening in this book bar. It's still pretty to look at. A D plus. Yeah, it's not a failure. It's certainly not great. c much Whomp! That is your ludicrous speed round and
1: whomp!
2: is the sound of the curtain falling on Snagglepuss's latest Broadway show. As seen in Exit Stage Left, number one. This onomatopoeia of the week was submitted by Jimmy Randall via the Facebook fan page. If you've got time between the matinee and the evening showing of your play and want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, just hit us up on any of our various social media presences.
0: Presence I. Pres- presence? Presences. A pod of presents? I don't know. <laughs> A murder of presence.
2: Or shoot us an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com.
0: Joe at 2018. And it's cold as hell. I even heard a frog giant's butt got stuck to its giant toilet seat yesterday. That's some cold-ass business. Woo! So I say... Literally. Okay. Yeah, it was a pun. We get it. I get it. You ruined it. So I say we (laughs) retire to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum cuddle up with our buddy Firelord and warm up our piggy toes while we talk about our must-read picks for next week.
2: My pick for next week is Avengers 675 from Marvel Comics written by Mark Wade, Jim Zub, And Al Ewing, with art by Pepe Larraz. It's 40 pages for $4.99. There we go. Here's your solicit. Hold on to your butts. No surrender! Part 1. Avengers goes weekly for the stunning 16-part saga that will write the end of an era. The Earth has been stolen! The sky burns, while mysterious cosmic objects crash down from above, wreaking havoc across the world. The Avengers are the last line of defense between Earth and the mysterious forces threatening to tear it apart. It's time to assemble the teams you know and love from Avengers, Uncanny Avengers, U.S. Avengers, and Occupy Avengers.
0: Okay, I only love one of those teams. (laughs)
2: Come together to face a threat beyond any they faced before in a weekly epic adventure that will define the future of Earth's Mightiest Heroes.
0: Is there an actual Occupy Avengers team? I thought it was just Hawkeye. I don't fucking uh, know. And Red Wolf. Is that book even around? Well, not anymore. Okay. What a terrible name.
2: Yeah, it was a terrible name. So this is, we talked about this on the show when they announced it a a month or two back. Yeah. This is basically the Avengers all coming together under Wonder Banner, just being the goddamn Avengers. This is Let's
0: Fix the Avengers.
2: Hopefully, Let's Fix the the Avengers. And when it's all said and done, let's not go back to having all of these weird, shitty little team books. Like, I don't care how good
0: Uncanny Avengers is. Yeah. It might be a great book. Sure. It is no longer relevant. Yeah, we don't need that blend of X-Men and Avengers anymore.
2: Uncanny Avengers served a very specific purpose for a specific time yes. in the Marvel Universe. Yes, it was fine. It was that fine. time is
0: past. Yes, let it go. So please, yes, please, 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 guys, fix the Avengers. And when we come out of it, don't fucking call it New Avengers again. Don't. Just call it the goddamn Avengers. They won't, because they're
2: <laughs> on their way to 700, baby. I know. It's going to be the Avengers.
0: Matt, what's your pick for next week? My pick is Ninjack versus The Valiant Universe, number 1 from Valiant, written by Elito Rahal. I believe Elliot it's is Elliot. His name? <laughs> Art by Joe Bennett, 32 pages, 3.99. Here's your solicit. A first of its kind comic book experience. Watch the upcoming live action digital promotion coming this winter, I don't know what that is, then jump headlong into the fight-fueled showdown of the century as acclaimed writer Elliot Rahal, the doorman, and red-hot artist Joe Bennett, Teen Titans and Death Stork, as they reveal the full (laughs) scope and adrenaline-drenched intensity of New Jack vs. the Valiant Universe! Colin King is Ninjack, MI6's deadliest intelligence operative and weapons expert. When the ruthless assassin Roku, not the little box that you watch cable with, exploits his greatest weakness... Not the the Dragon Ball Z character, that's Goku. That's Goku. ...will be forced to betray his closest allies. Now on the run, he must face off against the most powerful heroes known to man for a high octane, take no prisoners, trial by fire, more perilous, and more unpredictable... Than any he's faced before. <laughs> In 2018, the world's most dangerous super spy goes to war with the Valiant Universe. Guest starring, well, fucking everybody. I mean, the Valiant Universe is on it. It's a great jumping on point for Valiant and for Ninjack. And when Valiant says that, they mean it. They absolutely mean it. You can pick this up and go. It's going to be fun. It's going to be crazy. I'm excited. They'll read it. Like I, I can do figure with out what the most Valiant things. digital short thing is i i uh, well they are they i kind of googled it and i couldn't find anything
2: they're like making
0: there's movies coming
2: internet uh, nin- isn't there like an internet ninja like live action thing
0: not i, I don't
2: know you need to figure it out yeah i know the thn trade of the week goes to the vision hardcover from marvel comics written by tom king with art by gabriel hernandez walta it's 488 pages for $39.99. That's so many pages. That's a lot of pages. Here, just a list One of the most celebrated comic books of the century. Whoa, hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Collected alongside an expansive array of special features. Vision wants to be human, and what's more human than family? So he heads back to the beginning, to the laboratory where Ultron created him as a weapon, the place where he first rebelled against his destiny, and imagined that he could be more. That he could be a man. There he builds them. A wife, Virginia. Teenage twins, Viv and Vin. They look like him. They have his powers. They share his greatest ambition. Or obsession? The unrelenting need to be ordinary. Behold, the visions. Theirs is a story of togetherness and tragedy. One that will set the android Avenger on course for a devastating confrontation with Earth's mightiest heroes. This collects the entire Vision run, 1 through 12, plus extras from the director's cut issues if you did not read the Vision. If you did not listen to all the things that we were telling you and everybody else on the internet were telling you. Please, for the love of all that is holy, buy this comic. It's so good.
0: So there's our picks for next week. Of course, we always like to hear what you nerds are reading. So... Hit us up on Facebook, hit us up on Twitter. Tell us what pages you're flipping and what you think we should be reading and reviewing on this show. We love to hear that stuff. Yeah. Nerds, you know what my favorite part of the show is? It's the part where Joe and I get to shut the hell up and let somebody else take the reins, and that's what's going to happen now. It's time again for THN historian Jason sexier Sachs to take over the show with another edition of who the hell is this guy?
1: Take it away Jason. Hi, I'm Jason Sachs and welcome to the second edition of who the hell is this guy? This time looking at Plastic Man, who will be appearing in January as a member of the new team, The Terrifics. Plastic Man is one of the greatest characters of the golden age of comics. Created by legendary cartoonist Jack Cole, Plastic Man's adventures were a deliriously wild mix of silliness and bizarre events. When petty gangster Eel O'Brien was shot and fell into a vat of strange chemicals, he emerged with the ability to transform his body into any shape he wanted. Joining the FBI, or at least something like the FBI, Eel went straight, but he was never narrow. Under Cole's brilliant guidance, Plastic Man became part of a whole series of unbelievably hilarious comic stories, often accompanied by his overweight and incredibly lucky and incredibly self-centered sidekick Woozy Winks. Seriously, if you have the chance to pick up any of the eight volumes of the DC Archives of Plastic Man, or any reprints of this material, run, don't walk, to buy it. It's—I don't think I've ever laughed as hard as I ever ha- as I did over the pages of the later issues of the Archives. Between the insane shapes our hero turns into, the absurd and hysterical villains he fights, and Woozy's craven self-centeredness, these comics are as funny as any stories ever published. Plastic Man lasted all the way to the end of comics golden age, running out of steam in 1956 with the end of quality comics. Sadly, Cole was also lost to the world two years later. He famously committed suicide for unknown reasons, just as his comic strip, Betsy and Me was beginning to grow popular. DC revived Plastic Man in 1966, possibly hoping to build on the success of the Batman TV show with another absurd superhero. This time written by Arnold Drake, with art by Winslow Mortimer. The series lasted only 10 issues. It's not that great. There's a couple of stories by uh, Gil Kane that are kind of good, but it's nothing special about it. It was one of the f- several fitful revivals of the character over the years. He often appeared with Batman in issues of Brave and the Bold in pretty serious stories. In 1976, editor Jerry Conway revived Plastic Man, and though Steve Skate's scripts and Ramona Freyden's art were nice, the series only lasted 10 issues. Plastic man also starred in a Saturday morning cartoon from 1979 excuse me 1981 which aired immediately after super friends it's not great uh, you can find episodes on YouTube um, good luck lasting between that through more than one issue or one episode there have been a couple of pretty good revivals of Plast since then bill folio delivered a fun four issue mini in 1988 and 89 and Kyle Baker had a great revival of the character from 2004 to 2006. He's also been a member of the Justice League, especially under the Grant Morrison run, as well as being parts of other teams. But Plastic Man is yet another of those second-rate, half-forgotten heroes who seem to fill the DC universe these days. It'll be fun to see what Jeff Lemire does with and the Terrifics, but it's hard not to see Plastic Man as a character whose time has come and gone.
2: Exalt.
0: That is it for THN 474. Joe Patrick, before we get out of here, why don't you reset a question of the week for these nerds? to mull around while they get ready for THN cover to cover next week, now, in its new time slot on your RSS feed, wherever you want to, it's, whatever time you want to to I mean, it's it. the same time slot. It's well, just... it, I mean, maybe there's people that are like, I, <laughs> l- I listen to it at 4.15. I don't know.
2: The question of the week comes once again from Joe Bankus, a.k.a. Casual Comics Guy, on the forums. Joe says, on the flip side of the last question, what is the worst, best comic series that you've ever read? He's talking about a series or a run on a comic that's critically acclaimed, revered, that you do not like. Okay, man. you got until Saturday to get your answers, or you can call us online when we record.
0: There you go. THN is a listener-supported podcast, and we want to hit you with a celestial-sized thank you. To everyone that's supporting the show on PayPal and Patreon. Without you nerds, we can't afford to maintain the Ziggurat steam heating system, which feeds directly off Mephisto's lake of fire sitting directly below us.
2: And it gets cold up in here. Woo!
0: Let me tell you. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes
2: to our good friend Andrea Shockling, who launched her Patreon page this week. To support her nasty art habit Matt wrote that Not me No her art
0: is great It's just art is a bad habit Yeah and she's just like
2: Constantly scratching Rubbing watercolor pigment (laughs) Under her
0: gums
2: (laughs) Check it out She's a wonderful artist Her work is beautiful Word to you Andrea And all the patrons That support your debilitating addiction To making original art
0: Until next time True believers Remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just freeze your toilet seat. This is a Two-Headed Nerd.
2: Signing off. That's some cold ass
0: business. Woo! Get it?
1: <laughs> His
0: ass is cold. You don't have to say, okay. His ass is All cold! Right. Okay, thank you. <laughs>